Hi, I'm Don Mackey, welcome to the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. This show is focused on providing strategies to empower community success and vitality. Each episode will feature interviews with cutting-edge rural development thought leaders and community practitioners, remarkable entrepreneurs from business, government, and nonprofits, and by sharing the learnings of E2 entrepreneurial ecosystems. Connect with me, learn more about E2, and subscribe to this show at energizingentrepreneurs.org. Welcome to Pathways to Rural Prosperity. I'm Shelley Pash, business specialist and ecosystem builder for Kansas Main Street. I've been in the field of ecosystem building for about 14 years and through economic development, entrepreneurship, community development, and outreach. And Don and I are back together. I am privileged once again to introduce Don Mackey with E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. Don has worked in the field of community economic development throughout North America for over 40 years with a deepening focus on entrepreneur-led economic development. Hello, Don. Welcome and good day to our listeners. Yes, Shelley. Great to be with you today. Thank you. Thank you. As likewise, as likewise. So we are talking retirees. I do believe it's retiree-led development and entrepreneurship. So I will start off with over the years, E2 has curated thoughtfully, I might add, a list of likely entrepreneurial development opportunities, some that I've participated in. Can you share this list and maybe how it came into existence? Yeah, let me take the last question first and then share the list. As you know from our work together when you were with Network Kansas, we produce something called Development Opportunity Profiles, and we've been doing a version of this for over 25 years and have done this kind of analysis throughout North America and a wide range of rural communities and regions. And during the pandemic, I had a little bit of time, and so... I had moved my office and collected all of these development opportunity profiles that I could find, and I started reviewing them. And I noticed that there were some common themes that were emerging. And so we thought it might be useful for our listeners to put together our top 10 list of likely entrepreneurial development opportunities. I mean, it's one thing to talk about entrepreneurship, it's another to say, okay, what are the more granular opportunities that we have? And so that's what we did. So doing that review, our top 10 list includes the following. Obviously, for a lot of rural communities, if not most, natural resource industries continue to be important. Production agriculture, commercial fishing, timber harvesting and processing, mining, energy production. And there's entrepreneurial spinoff opportunities to meet the needs of these industries. And so that's one of the areas for many rural communities. If you think about it, part of what rural America does is connect urban America with our interstate highways and our state highways. 
And these transportation corridors generate significant economic opportunity in many rural communities. If you just contemplate the number of businesses that are on a well-developed interstate highway interchange in rural America, I'm thinking about Colby, Kansas right now. I mean, you can find a lot of things from hotels to gas stations to cafes. So that's one. To Vernon Hurd. We know Vernon Hurd is there. <laughs> Absolutely. Our friend. Yeah, exactly. Yes. With the development group. Of course, tourism has long been, you know, rural America is urban America's playground and also rural Americans play there. And so tourism, you know, with the right amenities can be an opportunity. New resident attraction is one that surfaces almost everywhere because rural America has been losing population. So communities are keenly interested in how they can attract new residents. One area that's kind of, you know, walks in both traditional and entrepreneur-led development is major employer retention and expansion. We're just right now working on that strategy paper. Growth-oriented entrepreneurs with our friends from SourceLink, Chris Gibbons with Economic Gardening, and Penny Lewandowski, who used to be with the Lowe Foundation. That's an important area. Area spending capture, our topic about retirees today, and then rounding out the list are outbound commuters and the role of hub cities. So think of those micropolitan or even smaller rural communities that anchor a large rural region. So that's our top 10 list. And what we're doing right now, Shelley, is developing strategy papers around each of these 10 strategy opportunities. That's an incredible top 10 list for sure. Don's top 10 list. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's my it's, judgment call. I'm sure others yeah. might have, but this is a big waterfront. For sure. And, you know, I know you had mentioned before in your pandemic paper having that rural remigration, you know, and that's where a lot of people are going to have to start looking at a little bit more with before it was rural going into urban and now it's urban turning around and doing a little bit more and heading into rural. And I think we talked about this in one of our previous where I believe it was, what did we say? 63% that came into from 2018 survey from the, I'm really grabbing this out of the air Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. through the Pew research. There was 63% of urbanites going rural. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of factors. We discussed it when we reviewed the phenomenon of urban people cashing out their real estate and in some cases their businesses for very high dollar values and, you know, moving to a more affordable rural place. We'll talk more about that with retiree-led development because it's it's a powerful force that's going to move a lot of people into rural America. Right, right. So I'll hold my horses and I'll try yeah. and be patient. <laughs> so as you mentioned, our topic being retiree-led development, being one of the development opportunities, this may seem a bit non-conventional to some as a quote-unquote development focus. And I recall learning boomers being more suitable to open a new business due to more disposable income than, say, millennials. So can you share why retirees should be a development focus for rural communities? 
Well, it comes back to our development opportunity profile, and I'm sure you remember this when we were doing them with communities in your service area with Network Kansas. Retiree-related earnings and spending almost always showed up in the top three, definitely the top five economic drivers in almost every community we looked at. And part of that is because rural America is dry, or is, is aging, but also mm-hmm. retirees tend to control a significant amount of income, but they also control, you know, the vast majority of wealth in our rural communities. And even before we take into account this trend of boomers moving rural, this was already a really important factor. But to your point, yeah, we wouldn't, if you would take a economic development 101 class, chances are they wouldn't talk about retirees as a development mm-hmm. strategy. But it is. But you're right. You do. You do see it. And I do recall very much so seeing these in the any of the opportunity profiles that we had for a lot of our small rural communities. It was retirees and, you know, commuters. Those are some top things that we would always see. Yeah, absolutely. And so what it it means is, you know, there's a number of spinoff opportunities. One is how do you capture their spending? Two, how do you create a community that is attractive to these retiring boomers, knowing that Many of them are moving from more expensive, congested, maybe perceived to be unsafe urban places into rural America. Not everyone, but those that are inclined that way. And then, of course, many of these retiring boomers, particularly the younger ones, they're a major source of entrepreneurial energy in our rural communities. I love hearing all of that because you're right. You're right. And trying to capture that the spending and and how we're going to keep them there is the big question. So you and I see this as an entrepreneurial development opportunity, meaning retirees are available and they have the expertise that they can potentially share with younger folks. So can you share more of the dimensions of retirees and entrepreneurship? Yeah, it kind of goes back to what I just shared, and let me just put it in the frame of a development opportunity. So if we think about the fact that retirees are probably the largest spending stream in our community, we can't assume that we're capturing all that spending. We have leakages. And so this is an opportunity for the community to bring together a wide range of for-profit, non-profit, even governmental agencies to think about how do we capture more of that spending stream? Because if we can do that, if we can plug that leaky bucket a little bit, that can generate stronger businesses, stronger ventures, and jobs. And so to me, that's the low-hanging fruit. And we're working on something called a market opportunity profile that we're just getting ready to beta test in Kansas. Yes, yes, yes. And this would provide more in-depth analytics I was just doing for Sarah, one of the e-coaches with Network Kansas, Republic County today, and massive opportunities. So spending captures one, but it means that the community and its entrepreneurs have to be aware of what do these boomers want in terms of goods and services and how might they adjust what they are doing to capture more of that spending stream. So that's the first one. 
I think the second one is related to this fact that we've got this trend line of boomers moving from urban to rural. And, you know, we did a podcast on urban America's filling up and the math is pretty powerful. So if you think about someone who maybe is living in Chicago, they've maybe grew up rural, but they moved to Chicago, they had a good career, and they're now sitting on a house that is worth a million dollars. You know, not an uncommon story now, but they live in this congested place. They're ready for retirement. They sell their home. Maybe they move to some place, you know, downstate Illinois. They've always wanted to have a horse or two. They buy a small acreage. Maybe that costs them, you know, two, three hundred thousand dollars. They put fifty thousand into improvements, and they're able to bank the difference to capitalize their retirement funds. And so, we see this as something as does the Federal Reserve, which is not a bad source to rely on, that this is a strategy that these retiring boomers are using to capitalize their underfunded retirement funds. And at the same time, you know, congestion and safety, but also this desire to be connected in a community is really, really strong. Again, the community is going to have to think about What kind of housing do we have? How do we create a welcoming community? All of those kinds of things. And, But it's a huge opportunity because, again, like spending capture, we're talking about huge numbers that create massive opportunities for those communities that are intentional and prepared. And, you know, to your new work, old but new work with Main Street, you know, one of the things they're going to be looking for is a vital Main Street, where there are cafes and other amenities where they can begin to connect with their new community. And then the third one is the fact that these younger retiring boomers after young adults is the largest source of new entrepreneurial energy. They are investors. Oftentimes, they see needs in the community, and so they go together with others to open a business to meet those needs. I mean, in Red Cloud, some of these folks saw the need for a wine store, and you'd go, okay, Red Cloud's a community of a 1,000. Why do we need a special store to come in and taste wine and, and have a nice evening? Well, it's the home of Willa Cather, and there's all of these national and international visitors coming. And after they've spent a day touring the Cather sites throughout Cather land, they want to go in and have some wine and maybe some tapas and, you know, wrap up their day. So, again, as these folks come into our community, some of them are ready for that second and third gig. And are we ready to help them maybe build a stronger venture uh, community within our particular hometown in rural America? Yep, I love that. Actually, a couple of weekends ago, we had a bunch of friends and I had gone to a place in Lecompton, Kansas, small town in Douglas County, and they had a winery and they called it Empty Nesters because their last kiddo had gone off to college and they're like, what can we do? So yeah, they're doing just bang up job and great wine. And it was super fun to be there for their grand opening. It was really cool. And seeing things like that on their main street, you know, and all of that. And we've talked about the numbers before. And sometimes people, myself as well, can't grasp the amount. I was on a training call this morning with Kathy LaPlante, 
from National Main Street and just touting the numbers since like 1977. Well, that National Main Street has been around and over 2,200 programs are there and a little over 85 billion with a B, you know, has been reinvested in communities. So it's really just staggering to hear some of those numbers, but I could go on and on. (laughs) No, no. And it's important because these boomers are looking at, at quality of life. I mean, the thought that they could be in a community and in a few minutes, bike down, walk down, drive down to a downtown, for example, meet friends at a great coffee shop with a bakery, spend part of the morning in that small community is really important. I mean, this this contributes directly to the kind of things if we consider the challenge of doing that in Los Angeles, where you know you may have a neighborhood coffee shop and bakery, or you may be looking at, I got to get a little bit across town. Where am I going to find parking? And it's a different thing. So right. Do I get my motorcycles license so I can actually park easier? Right. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, cost of living is one factor that we know there's a differential in, that it's an advantage. But congestion is also a huge consideration for those who have been living in very dense urban areas. As my sister, who lived in North County, San Diego, said, you know, if I can spend the rest of my life never getting on I-5 trying to get to downtown uh, San Diego to work, yeah. that's cool. Well, she ended up in Chloride, Arizona, which, trust me, the commute <laughs> times are a very different reality. <laughs> there you go. And I remember when I was in California, the same thing. It was the 5, the 405, and yeah, mm-hmm. all of that, and all the way up into San Francisco, so... Yeah, absolutely. So I know we talked about it a little bit, but what are the entrepreneurial ecosystem implications of retiree-led development? Well, I think the basic ones apply. Thinking about entrepreneurs who are these retirees, you know, access to capital, all the kinds of things we've discussed in our four-part series on entrepreneurial ecosystem building. But I think in terms of recruitment of new residents on these retirees coming into our home, that's where quality of life, housing, do you have a culturally welcoming community? Because chances are many of these folks are going to bring with them, you know, different backgrounds, different values, maybe different politics, maybe different religious orientations. And our communities need to be prepared to not just be tolerant, but really be welcoming to the fact that these new residents are going to be, chances are, different than our current population, even if that's our own kids and grandkids. Right. You know, generationally. The inclusivity and the diversity needs to be very much a welcoming factor. Yeah, which means the community's got to take time to educate itself and to sensitize itself to become a truly welcoming community because these folks have choices and they're going to choose communities that they perceive are going to be welcoming, even if maybe they're not, you know, part of a diversity group, their values are they want a community that embraces genuine diversity as an asset, not a threat. And so 
that becomes really important. So as we think about attraction, quality of life placemaking, both physically and culturally, become really important considerations. And our paper addresses that. Yeah. And we we talk about that. And we have for many, many years on with Kansas Main Street itself, where, you know, you can have seven different salons or 14 different wineries, but there's a reason why I go where I go. Sometimes it it might be the the worst meal that I've ever had, but if I have got the greatest customer service because it's so welcoming, I will go back there time and time again. And yeah. I've seen that in Eureka Springs. I've seen that in so many places, so many places, not that, you know, the food's been crappy or anything, but, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, you'll certainly, you'll select, you know, whatever it is, if you've got people fawning over you and just, oh my gosh, it's great to see you back here and it's wonderful to have you. That's what you need. People have choices, just like you said, just like you said. Absolutely. And I really believe that rural communities have the capacity to step back, take stock of themselves and get better at this. And they're going to need to do that if they want to be one of those choices for those across America that are saying, okay, I'm going to cation my real estate from Denver and I'm going to move, you know, to a rural area that's maybe still close to a commercial airport, but that gives me those cost differentials, that lifestyle change that I've been looking for. Well, geez, Don, that's just been incredible. (laughs) All (laughs) of that information. Every time I talk to you, it's wonderful. So, We will wrap this up. And if you would share with our listeners um, where they can learn more about our topics today. Yeah. Well, as always, Shelly, we encourage people to go to our website, energizingentrepreneurs.org. And who manages that website, that's where you can learn about our E2 National Practitioners Network and access all of our resources around rural ecosystem building. We encourage people to sign up for our free monthly electronic newsletter. This is the best place to keep track of the new content that's coming down the pike. If you find it's not useful, it's really easy to subscribe to and unsubscribe. And then of course, our Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcasts. Specific to this topic, we've got two resources that we're going to be dropping with the podcast. Our overview paper of likely entrepreneurial development opportunities that kind of gives a quick overview of the top 10 resources or opportunities. And then our more detailed strategy paper on retiree-led development. Always, always great to have you on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. It's mutual. Yeah, oh my gosh, just all the information is fantastic. So we appreciate you very much and we will talk to you next time. Very good. Thanks, Shelley. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Head on over to energizingentrepreneurs.org where you can subscribe to this podcast and tap into more than 25 years of field experience from E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. I'm Don Mackey, and I'll see you next time on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Mm-hmm.